Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Watermark Equipping Podcast, a monthly conversation about faith-seeking understanding from Watermark Community Church here in Dallas, Texas. I'm Caitlin Van Wagner, one of your hosts, and this is my co-host, Oren Martin, Senior Director of Equipping here at Watermark. Hey, Oren. Hey, how are you? Welcome back. I'm glad to be here. And I'm super glad to be here with back for a second time, Timothy Atik, one of our teaching pastors here at Watermark. And co-host. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I missed that. He's back. He's taken over the podcast. Yeah, Oren's going to be out next week, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, we are here today. We're super excited to have you back. Thanks for joining us. Um, Oren, why don't you talk to them a little bit about what is up for today? Yeah, so today we're talking about something that the church has gladly confessed for 2,000 years, something called the Trinity. The God is one in three persons. It's amazing. So I have a confession. Yeah. I, I'm nervous about this episode. Why is that? Because I get it. But I also don't yeah. when it comes to the Trinity. That's the simplest way I can put it. Yeah. Like I, I, I get it, and then I, I don't get it. Yeah. So, are but you do you get able- it? Depends on the day. Okay. Um. So, are you going to help me with? Are we going to? Are we going to help me with that? We're going to give it our best okay. shot. But you know what? Join Christians for the past two thousand years Excellent. who have said the same thing. Have I been? Because I'd say that's a good summary yeah. of the Trinity. Great. Yeah. I Excellent. get it, but I don't get it. All right. We'll stop. No, we'll keep going. Okay, we'll keep going. All right, so let us, let's just dive in then. So let's start with the first question. What is the Trinity? T.A., can you explain what is the Trinity? Yeah, so I would say that the, the Trinity is the conviction that God exists as three co-equal, co-eternal persons that are distinct yet are one in essence. Okay, Right? That's a great definition. Okay. Would you add anything to that? I would not add anything to that. Okay. So three co-equal, separate. So when we say yeah, when we say that they're equal, we're saying that they are all equally God. That we are talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Throughout scripture, you see that that the Father is God. No one questions that. Mm -hmm. You see that Jesus is God, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm -hmm. Then the Holy Spirit is God, and that's the one that people struggle with most, but you see clearly in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is God as well, and yet there's only the Lord our God is one. Yeah, and I'm so thankful, Caitlin, that you said three separate persons because they're actually not three separate persons. It's it's very important that the persons are inseparable. And they act inseparably, but they are distinct. So how can they be inseparable but distinct? Yeah, because if there were three separate persons in the history of the church, then there would be three separate gods. But there's one God. Okay. And so those the three persons are inseparable. So I just committed heresy earlier. Um, I wouldn't say that close. Okay, that's I'd fine. Say it. Listen, yeah. all right. I feel like TA would say it. <laughs> um, all right. So three they are distinct, yes. but they are inseparable. So yes. So to say that they're distinct is to say the the Son is not the Father and the Spirit is not the Son, and yet they are all inseparable and they are all three equally God at the same time, and yet they have distinct roles 
Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, so you think about the Old Testament, when you know all the prophecies of the Old Testament where it says, you know, in that day I will, in that day God will, and they were looking for a day when God would break into history and he would save his people mm-hmm. from their sin. When we get to the New Testament, there's kind of more revelation given and who is this God who saves? This salvation is from God the Father through God the Son in God the Holy Spirit or by God the yeah. Holy Spirit. And so th- this this one God uh, is is three persons. Okay. Is there an an easy way, a simple way to explain? Like, let's pretend like I'm a child. Um, is there a simple, is there an analogy that works? I've heard the egg, the I like, like, is there something that works to explain the Trinity in a really simple way to get this context, concept to click with me? Yeah, interesting you say that because T.A. just shared a new analogy <laughs> that, okay. no, he did not. No, so I'll just say, Every analogy throughout history has always failed, and there's there's one reason why. Something that's created can never fully explain the one who is uncreated. So an egg, that's an analogy you yeah. hear a lot. Yeah, so you have the shell, shell, the egg white, and the yolk. Yes. Right? Yeah, so that would be an ancient heresy because those would be more three—yes, it's kind of three—those would be three separate things. Right, okay. so three parts three to parts. the same thing. Yeah, so it'd be kind of like you know tripartiteism or something like oh, that wow. because they're not identically the same in terms of uh, the nature. Right, a yolk is of a different essence than the egg white. Okay, the egg whites of a different essence or nature than the shell. Not so with God. Same nature. Same nature. Distinct, yes. inseparable, yep. because they're part of the same nature. So yeah, that's so you think why about egg, apple. I hear water. Yes. Those so are- water is a different issue. Yes. And the issue is, so people say that water can exist as a solid, as a liquid, or as a gas. Uh-huh. But they, they're they not the, the same body or the same liquid or gas or solid. They, it can't be all three of those at the same exact time, which is a heresy known as modalism. Yeah. We have heresy everywhere in this yeah. episode. Yes. I mean, it wow. started with you. It started with me. Modalism. <laughs> I might have said something that was heresy. I mean, but you know what? Those are teaching tools, right? Yeah. Because we we can know better what God is like uh, by understanding what He's not like in terms of His creation, right? So water can exist in different modes or forms, but that's not the same thing as the persons of the Godhead, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just you know the Father is one mode and the Son is a different mode at a different time and the Spirit is a different mode at a different time. No, they 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 co-equally and co-eternally exist. Okay. As as the one God. Okay. Are there any other common analogies that we're missing? Uh, I would say three leaf clover. Okay. So you know why doesn't that one work? Yeah. So that would be also something like uh, you know similar to the egg tripartiteism, right? So you have three clovers that are mm-hmm. part of the one stem, but they're three different clovers. They're not identically the same in terms of their okay. nature, right? Okay. Yeah. Great. So if you were, how do you? Both of y'all are dads. You've got kids. How do you explain it? the Trinity to your kids? Great question. You want to go first? I mean, I could be totally wrong. I would use an illustration that ultimately breaks down. Mm. But I would I would take something like this. I mean, we've got three mugs that are—I would illustrate it by putting these together. They're all the same color, which just means that they are all equally God. And mm-hmm. so they are, they are one, and yet they are distinct, and yet they are of— the same color meaning the same essence, and that Jesus, when he left heaven and came to earth, the 
color of the mug doesn't change. Jesus didn't surrender any of his deity Got it. to come to earth. And yet, you know, it, at the same time that I'm teaching my kids about the Trinity, I'm also teaching them some form of heresy about <laughs> the yeah, Trinity. It's, listen, so, it's fine. And, and you know what? You know, like, it was, happens to the best so of us. So maybe I shouldn't be using it, but it's, <laughs> you know, my kids at a young age, if I'm, the thing that I've, I've struggled, or the the way that I've seen my kids struggle is when my, so for example, if my five-year-old says that uh, I believe in God and Jesus, and I say, well, Jesus is God, Mm -hmm. I can see the confusion in his mind of like, wait, no, God is God, Mm -hmm. and then Jesus is Jesus, and I'm like, but Jesus is God, and you can just see like, I can't understand. (laughs) So for me to do something like this is, it helps him process process yeah and there will come a day where i can help him understand mm-hmm. the limitations okay. of any type of illustration mm-hmm. when you're trying to use something created to explain something uncreated so that's the ultimate restraint is that we can't use something that's been created to explain something yeah and i think you know to tia's point with with younger kids you can when we've said to our kids at an early age there's one god who in three persons right mm-hmm. the father's god the son is god the holy spirit is god each, each are fully God, right? No, no one is, is less than God. And you know what I love about your question is you, we're doing something that Christians have done called called catechesis. Oh, dear. Which is really just, it's teaching in the form of questions. That's all okay. it is. And we, there's great catechisms. In fact, I think last Christmas we gave out the New City Catechism to every one mm-hmm. of our members who wanted one. And, and there are tons of catechisms throughout the history of the church that really is just meant to, to be a teaching tool to explain who God is, what he's done in Christ, what is salvation, all these kinds of things. And so, you know, one of the questions that we would talk about is how many gods are there? And my kids would say, there's one God. How many persons are in God? Three persons are in God. And and that's really just a, you know, a question answer kind of format that they know. And and then there's scripture that goes along with it. So, you know, if you're a parent, which I love, uh, you know, there's a whole history to draw upon where faithful Christians have sought to teach their children who God is in in appropriate ways that, that, that begin at a young age and develop more and more, as T.A. said, as they get older, they'll understand more and more. Okay, great. All right, so we've covered a little bit about what the Trinity is and how to explain it. Um, why is the Trinity important to understand? It feels like one of those things, is it okay if we just go, I almost get it. How does it, but not quite. Like, why should I engage to learn and understand the Trinity, what impact does it have in my everyday life? It's hmm. a great question. You know, I was thinking about that, and I would just say to love God rightly, we have to know God rightly. And so, you know, I think about Deuteronomy 29, 29, where it says the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that He's revealed is for us and for our children. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that God has revealed is who He is as the one God. And, and who is this God? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so it would be unloving not to know him according to who he has made himself known to be. And and not just that, and according to what he's done for us and for our salvation. So, you know, I think I think about it this way. I, I love Cindy, my wife. She's 5'11", and she is a, a wild, crazy extrovert. And if I if I want to love her according to, to that, then then I would throw big parties and and if anybody knows my wife, you know I just I just lied out of my teeth because she's she's five four, and she is an introvert. She does not like attention, mm-hmm. and so if I want to to love Cindy rightly, then I have to love her in accordance with who I know her to be, 
And mm-hmm. so I want to, and I want to serve her by by not making her the spotlight or the center of attention. Same thing with God. If we want to love God rightly, then we have to know God rightly. And God has graciously made Himself known. Mm-hmm. And this God is the God who has accomplished our salvation in the person of a son, right? So we have scripture that in the fullness of time, God, the Father, sent his son uh, to, to be born under the law, to redeem us from the curse of the law. Uh, and he sent his spirit uh, so that we might know that God is our father and, and we might we might uh, feel deeply our identity as sons and daughters of God. Mm-hmm. And, and so to, to love God, we have to know who he is. And that's just a matter of, of loving and honoring him. So there's an element of it helps us know understand God rightly according mm-hmm. to His Word. When does it? This is a pra- really practical question. When do you think about the Trinity in your everyday lives? When does it come to bear? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say that it, in a lot of different ways, one is in helping me know my identity as a child of God. That to relate to God as Father, it it reminds me of who I am at mm-hmm. my core core as a child of God. When I think about the Son, Christ, not only as Savior, but as King, mm-hmm. that I want I want Him to rule and reign in my in my life today. That when I talk about today I have to make a choice whether I'm going to live fully surrendered to His Lordship. Mm-hmm. Because that's who He is right now. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I think about the Spirit because the Spirit is the one that can empower me to to live under the Lordship of Christ. And so, you know, in everyday life, my wife and my kids will flourish if if they are experiencing the fruit of the Spirit coming out of my life, love and joy and mm-hmm. peace, patience, kindness. If those things are coming out of my life because I'm walking in step with the Spirit, then so that's how, I mean, that's just an example. But in terms of when I think about... uh gratitude for the gospel, Mm. for me to understand each of the members of the Godhead, to understand each of their roles, that it was the Father who developed the plan, and it was Mm -hmm. the Son who executed the plan, and it's the Spirit who appropriates all that, the the work of Christ. The gratitude is deeper, Mm -hmm. you Mm. know, for all that for all okay. that has taken place. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I just think even, you know, in, in my prayers, it's it's always a good reminder for me that I'm not just praying generically. God, thank you for that. God, thank you for that. Uh, Father, thank you for dying on the cross. You know, which, you know, you may, you may hear from time to time and you think, oh, wait, it wasn't the Father who died on the cross. It was the yeah. Son who died on the cross. And mm-hmm. it was the Son who took on flesh for us and for our salvation who died on the cross. And so, you know, to T.A.'s point, it gives it gives specificity to our prayers, and it makes us stop and reflect on the fullness of who God is and the fullness of what God has done, uh, so that we can rightly uh, worship and love and honor and know and believe in and serve this God. And so, it really gives a, a much more substantial or maybe a, a thicker understanding uh, of who God is and what He's done for us. So, I'm hearing the Trinity helps you understand God more fully, mm-hmm. ourselves more fully, and the gospel more fully. Yeah. And that's not your exact words, but those are concepts because you have the full picture of who God is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. All right, so where do we see the Trinity in the Bible? Where does it show up? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of verses. I think a good example is the 
the Great Commission. So you see, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit. I think about the baptism of Jesus, where you see the Father speaking, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And what is descending upon Jesus? You see the, the Spirit descending like a dove. And so you see the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit all in one place. And then there's there's verses all over the scripture where you see two of the persons or all three. I mean, Oren, what would you add? Yeah, um, I would say there's a there's a term that's often said there's there's progressive revelation, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of my favorite quotes by B.B. Warfield is, uh, the Old Testament is a richly furnished room dimly lit. So, you know, you have this room and all the furniture's in it, but what it lacks is light. Mm-hmm. And so you think of the the Old Testament in that way. We, we see the the we see God in Genesis one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we see the spirit who is hovering over the face of the waters. And we see, uh, you know, in Genesis 1, God saying, let us make man in our image, which we don't quite know. It's a, it's a mystery, right? The, 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 the richly furnished room is dimly lit. But when we kind of go into the New Testament, right, as God's revelation, as God speaks to his people, and we come into the New Testament, we understand, oh, who is this image? Well, he, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, Colossians 1. We, we see that the Spirit isn't just a kind of impersonal power or a, for, a force. The, the Spirit is a person who, who acts as God to, to save and gift and dwell in and give life to and all these kinds of things. So, you know, I, I love that imagery because, because it kind of gives us, look, in the Old Testament, uh, God is there. But but it's a mystery, mm-hmm. and in Paul's language, the the mystery that was concealed in the Old Testament has now been revealed, like he says in Colossians one, and it's been it's been revealed because there was a time when God the Son stepped into history and He shined His light on uh, who God is more fully, and we understand just who this who this triune God is, mm-hmm. and we come to the text like Matthew twenty eight. Uh, where it says, you know, uh, go and make disciples by, by baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the, Ho- the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, in a lot of the Old Testament, that name, the one name is the one God. God, he doesn't give his glory. He doesn't share his name with any other. But who belongs to this name? That name is threefold, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say go and baptize them into the names, but to the singular name, the mm-hmm. one name, the one God. And who who is this God? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we see the distinct persons appear in Scripture, and then there's the progressive revelation of understanding the concept of the triune God. Yeah. Does the term Trinity, the Trinity that we know, does that appear in Scripture? No, it does not. Um, and you know that's a that's a great uh, you know example for you know as the early church kind of faced. Uh, uh, distortions of mm-hmm. who God is, and, and maybe denied that that Jesus was fully God, or denied that the Spirit was fully God, which happened in the first five centuries of the church, kind of hashing these things out uh, as as they began to 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 say, who, who is this Jesus that we worship? Who is this Jesus who saves? Who is this Holy Spirit who saves? Uh, they they had to invent terms that faithfully summarized what scriptures taught, and and one of those terms was Trinity. Uh, in the Latin form, but uh, Tertullian was, a, was an early church father, and uh, Tertullian came up with kind of this, you know, he didn't invent this term, it was used in other places, but he he employed this term to describe who God is uh, as uh, as the one God who is triune. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Tertullian is the guy who Tertullian. coined the term yep. based on the concept of the triune God. Yep. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. Okay, great. And it's a shorthand for, do you believe in the Trinity? And the answer is yes, mm-hmm. right? Believe that God is one. 
in three persons. My next question is, is the Trinity unique in comparative to other religions? I would say absolutely. It's it's the distinguishing mark of Christianity because we're talking about in in the Christian faith, we believe that Jesus Christ is God. And you see that differ from Judaism. Judaism would say that there is only one God. And we would say, I agree. And yet they would say that Jesus was a man who was executed. Mm-hmm. Okay, you think about Islam. Islam would say that there is one God. We would agree, but they would see Christ as uh, a prophet, but not God. That's problematic. If you think about um, uh, some of the Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormonism, they would put themselves under the banner of Christianity, but either they would believe that there are multiple gods or that Jesus became a god over time. Um, And and all of that is problematic because when we talk about uh, what we believe, we believe that salvation has come, as we've already said multiple times, it was planned by the Father, it was executed by the, the Son, and appropriated by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yet there's only one God. So if, if you're resp- a response to somebody who might be saying that all religions are the same, a, a place to go is to talk them through the Trinity. Is that yeah. what I'm hearing? Yeah, I would I would say that um, because we would say in contrast to other religions that and would point to in some way that salvation is something that you merit through works. Mm-hmm. We would say that you cannot earn salvation. Salvation is something that is received as a gift, and the way that it is given to us is by the power of the Spirit because of the work of the Son, according to the will mm-hmm. of yeah. God. Yeah, and, you know, I, you know, just on a very personal level, you know, for me, I, th- I think often of how do I know God loves me? You know, in, in other religions, you know, to T.A.'s point, it's, uh, you know, God is kind of a, a divine dictator, you know, and, and if you do good enough, if you if you work hard enough, then then God may or may not accept you, right? And, and you and you don't quite know. Mm-hmm. But for Christians, we know God loves us because the Father, who loves the Son, loved the world and sent His beloved Son for us. That mm-hmm. God demonstrated His own love for us. Romans five says, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so it's not grounded in in my feelings. That's not grounded in what I've done. It's grounded in what God has displayed through the person of His Son, who came not to be served, but to serve and His give His life as a ransom for many. And and so I think Christians can be assured of God's love because God is triune, in in a way that other religions can't be assured of. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, some just some like quick hits about the Trinity. Is there a person of the Trinity that you maybe subconsciously favor, who you tend to relate to more than than others? Oh man, that's such a that's like saying which one of your is your favorite kid. I mean, I don't know. You can you, that's an answer. Yeah. So yeah. so I would say. Well, one, there, there's an early church follow that said uh, his name is Gregory Nazianzus, and he says, when I think of the one, I think of the three, and when I think of the three, I think of the one. In uh-huh. other words, that's how Christians ought to think about God. Uh, when we think about the one God, we automatically think of, oh, this God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we think about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who they are and what they've done and what, e- what each one of them does for us and for our salvation. We think, oh, there's one God. Uh, but I think maybe more naturally, probably, I don't know if this is right or wrong, I would say, I just— I thank God for Jesus 
because he is the one who uh, executed my salvation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything that's dishonoring to God about that because Jesus did say, when I send my spirit, he'll bear witness about me. So I, I do think that there's a healthy focus and worship of and thanks to Jesus Christ uniquely for what he's done in our redemption. Yet I don't want to do that in uh, to the neglect of the Father and the Spirit. Yeah. Okay. What would you say? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about the fact that I always, the majority of the time, start my prayers with Jesus. Hmm. You know, that I'm praying to Jesus. And yet, so, and I would say that in ministry, my goal is to exalt Christ. It's kind of what you're saying. So, I think in my tendency in every message, I want to exalt Christ. It's easy for me to hear your question and be like, well, I guess it feels like I favor Jesus. Yeah. And yet, I'm very aware that at the same time, I'm asking for the power of the Spirit or yeah. the filling of mm -hmm. the Spirit. And I'm trying to operate as a child with my heavenly father. Well, that brings up an interesting question around the concept of prayer is, are we supposed to, as believers, pray to the Trinity? Are we supposed to pray to the father through the spirit? How is that? Is there a way that it's supposed to work biblically? Yeah, I would say, you know, when Jesus is teaching his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches his disciples to pray our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, and as we see that kind of worked out in the New Testament, I do think that there's a pattern that, that we that we ought to honor and follow in our prayers, that we pray to the Father, through the Son, by or in the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think in doing so, we kind of rightly honor who God is and, and who he's revealed himself to be for us. So I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> I wanted to say what that. I just heard. You, you know what I wanted to say? Why do you hate? How Jesus taught you to pray <laughs> by praying just to Jesus and not the Father. Listen, Ta and I both committed heresy today. Are there any heresies we're leaving out of the Trinity? Uh, I'll talk to you. Or afterwards. that you want to identify in this whole conversation? <laughs> you, yes, this is why I was nervous about this conversation. But here's the thing, I in Oren, I hear what you're saying, and I see the model that Jesus has given to us, and at the same time, I feel like there is freedom at the same Absolutely. time to. Yes to pray to the Holy Spirit for him to accomplish his work, what, to do what he does and to pray to Jesus and to do what he does while at the same time Jesus has given us that. Yes, absolutely. That and, and I will say, that's why I said a general pattern, though, though there yeah, are yeah, exceptions, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I, th I think of one example <laughs> in Acts 7. Think about Stephen. Who does Stephen pray to as he's about to be martyred for his faith in Christ? He prays to Jesus, yeah. right? And Jesus stands yeah, and and honors Stephen as he's being killed. So there's an example we have of praying yeah. to Jesus. So you're. It good. is a question <laughs> I've good. never thought about before today. <laughs> so this is fun. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that is all for this episode of the Watermark Equipping Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember to like and subscribe to make it easier for others to find the podcast. And y'all have a great week of worship. <laughs> <laughs>